You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. The splendid Joe Hopkins here on the board as well. And Mike, we are no longer talking playoffs. Playoffs? Jim Moore can rest we, easy We can tonight. put that to bed. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the 2% chance, or as you... 2.7. As you are very uh, adamant toward me, the 2.7% chance is now down to zero. The Indianapolis Colts, for the fourth time in five seasons, will miss the playoffs after uh, the loss this past week. And we'll dive headfirst into that loss in a second. But first, just a little bit of news this week. And we'll start on a better note, because I believe that's the better thing to do anyway. And that's... Because that's who we are. We are. Very optimistic folks. The, My uh, glasses always have full. The Colts have two Pro Bowlers, at least, in 2019. A couple alternates as well. We'll mention them in a second. But first, no surprise, either of the two that make the Pro Bowl, Quentin Nelson for his second year in a row. And also, Darius Leonard does sneak into the Pro Bowl. Uh, and thank God he did again because, well, last year... He might have traced the locker room today it, it had, had he not. ridiculous, man. It, just ridiculous. But, but, Mike, but both well-deserved. And Darius, there are some questions at the beginning of the season about Darius and how his second year is going. Well, he misses three games of the concussion, which that all automatically cuts into your numbers. Right. Yeah, so I but but my my point was he was he started slow and he certainly did pick up as the year went on. Yeah, we talked to him last week and he did not expect to make the Pro Bowl. He called it a popularity contest and if your name's not out there and all this. So he said it was fun. We talked to him today and he said he found out last night he was driving to the Pacers game and uh, Frank Wright called him and told him. So I'm sure he really enjoyed the Pacers game last night mm-hmm. when that news came, but. He and I asked him. I said, "You're so good at using at finding motivation." You know, he used last year's snub as a motivation. I said, "So now what?" He said, "Well, I had like 15 goals this year, and I only achieved one of them so far: Super Bowl MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and all this." So, uh, this is a guy that he, he's going to be a lot like Robert Mathis. Mathis, no matter how much success he had, Pro Bowls and sacks. He always had that chip on his shoulder that no one believed in me. Everybody, you know, so many doubters. So Darius Leonard appears to be that guy that's going to find ways to motivate himself, even if they're manufactured, because he's certainly an established player now. So, and then Quentin Nelson, he's by just about any metrics or, or analytical service is, if not the best guard, one of the top two or three best guards in the league and one of the best linemen in the league. So, Folks need to get used to him going to the uh, Pro Bowl. Year in and year out, likely, for Quentin and uh, maybe Darius on that same path as well. The Colts had seven alternates listed to the Pro Bowl, so depending on whether the guys who get voted in want to play in the Pro Bowl or if they're going Super Bowl bound, like, for example, the record-setting Baltimore Ravens getting 12 players named to the Pro Bowl. There's 12 spots right there that may be available. Exactly. So if the Ravens head on to the Pro Bowl and maybe some of these guys slip in, but the alternates for the Pro Bowl are long snapper Luke Rhodes is one of them, Marlon Mack at running back, Ryan Kelly at center, defensive end Justin Houston, tight end Jack Doyle, tackle Anthony Costanzo, and surprisingly enough, quarterback Jacoby Brissett is a Pro Bowl alternate, and we shrug here in the uh, in the studio because... Well, I, I just need to know how many alternates at the position. It's a good question. Although having said that, and, and I'm not even going to remotely start defending Jacoby Brissett, his last half of the season has been... Certainly uh, unacceptable. 
But you get past the top three. I'm 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 gonna get the list. Is it Mahomes, Watson, and Jackson? It's got to be. Yeah. And then the fourth is Tannehill, and then who? Who in the who in the conference? Derek Brady Carr, will get there Derek just Carr, based I mean, on it's it's yeah. it's a train wreck. Yeah. So, but still, it's Gardner Minshew. <laughs> no Kenny Moore. I mean, seriously, Josh Allen's got to be up there somewhere for Buffalo. Correct with the record. Yeah. But but you, you look in, in one conference and there's a bunch of quality players. And the AFC you got at the top is really really good, and then there's a massive drop off. So you know we'll we'll see, and, and, and there will be. Ma- there's always massive pullouts, whether it's because of the Super Bowl or injuries or whatever. When the, with the game in Orlando, it's not quite the same allure as Hawaii. Exactly. So uh, that that's where the NFL sort of fights trying to get the best players there. Hey, come out to Hawaii for five days. Oh, where a twist my arm? My goodness. Or hey, come to Orlando for five days. Like, eh. yeah, no, been there, been there, done that. So, but it, it's a good honor. And, and the uh, if I'm I don't know where all the guys are, are as far as alternates. I think Costanzo's a second alternate. I'm guessing Kelly's a high alternate. The other guys I don't know. Justin Houston I would think would be a one or a two. He better be. So again, he had a, he's had a very good year. And Joe Joe's mentioned here to where uh, who he got who was picked over him, and it's just kind of crazy that Houston wasn't one of the top guys. Yeah, Joe, you want to go over that since you put the work into finding these stats? Sure. I mean, Joey Bosa made it at defensive end for the Chargers, and he's well-deserving, 10.5 sacks, 60 total tackles. But where I take issue is Frank Clark from the Kansas City Chiefs, six sacks. Uh, Jacksonville's Clayus Campbell, six and a half. Justin Houston's sitting on nine right now. So he's got, you know, 50% more sacks than both those guys. It just kind of seems, I just don't even get where that's coming from. I mean, you look at the AFC sack leaders at the defensive end position, excluding outside linebackers like uh, Watt with the Steelers and all them. But Bosa leads it with 10.5. Then you have Josh Allen with 10 for Jacksonville. The rookie. Exactly. So Clay's Campbell gets voted in. He's not even, you know, leading his own team in sacks. Miles Garrett with 10, and he hasn't played in several weeks. <laughs> Where's he? <laughs> Who knows? Hopefully working on his swing. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and then Justin Houston's got nine. So I, I feel like if anyone on the Colts has a um, case to be made that they got snubbed, it would be Houston. I think you make a great point. And obviously all these guys impact the game well beyond sack numbers, but um, it, it's, it's clear to see the impact Justin Houston has had on the defensive line this year uh, in spite of the uh, rather disappointing last couple weeks, uh, Mike. He, he, he has come in and been a, a steadying force on the defensive side of the ball and one that the locker room, I'm sure, I know, much appreciates. Well, again, we look at the sack numbers and the pressures, and that, that's what they're paid to do. Yep. Um, arguably, his, his biggest play was the, the fourth-and-one tackle in Kansas City mm-hmm. to, to sort of seal the game. So it's had a great impact, and he's sort of the quiet leader in the locker room. Now, now before games, when they – Kind of gather up, and he kind of gets them pumped. He he's sort of the rah rah guy because he, he his menacing appearance makes you rah rah with him. In the locker room, he's really a un- understated player. Although I'm telling you, we were talking today in the locker room. He walks around like today's walking around in gray sweats and a gray hoodie with with a stocking cap on. He's looking like he's looking for somebody to beat up. <laughs> so he he's just he's just a super presence. Uh, uh, an ideal addition and well worth the investment. Was it two years, twenty three million, whatever it was? I believe so. Yes. Uh, so he he's done everything uh, they expected in the off season. 
Well, he can only do so much by himself, and Justin Houston or not, the Colts were absolutely owned this past weekend, well, this past Monday night, I guess, by the Saints in New Orleans on Monday night football. The uh, the worst loss of the Frank Reich era in terms of points, uh, 34-7, to the final score. Uh, it was not pretty start to finish. The Colts, like I said, lost by 27. The previous seven losses, they lost by a combined 39. So they, they were infamous for keeping it close. They played up to their competition or down to their competition, you might say, uh, to have all those close games after one, after the other, after the other. And um, it was something that I asked Gary Brackett on the Blue Zone pregame show this week. It was like, Gary, what's the deal with all these close games? I know the NFL is kind of close, and the, the, the margin for error is, is narrow, but for the Colts, it's, it, you never get any outliers. Well, there was certainly an outlier this past weekend. Like, like I said, start to finish, nothing went well for the Colts. Everything went well for the Saints, and I'm sure Drew Brees is the main reason for that, Mike. And 34-7, to seven, it wasn't that close or competitive. No, it wasn't. They, they called off the dogs at the end of three quarters, but their first punt was with 12 minutes to play, mm-hmm. and they sort of lost interest. It reminded me a little bit of the... Uh, 2011 game when it was 62 to seven, they could have scored 90. Mm-hmm. So if my if my Beach Grove math is correct, they've been outscored 96 to 14 in the last two trips to the Big Easy. That should be a weekly segment, Beach Grove math. There you go. <laughs> and I was a straight A math student at Beach Grove, and then I changed careers at, at Ball State. But it, it's just the fact that they were so non-competitive was stunning. And at some point in that game, they sort of lost their will to compete. I don't, I don't know where it was, third quarter, whatever. Uh, but it, it sort of magnified all the issues that, that have gone on all year. Every you know, it's, it's the old Frank says you win as a team and you lose as a team. Every segment. I mean, once again, it starts off with special teams. Mm-hmm. Riggle has a punt down at the two or three yard Gorgeous line. Gorgeous punt. Beautiful. Now they may have gone ninety eight yards. Who right. knows? But then there's a holding penalty, and then you re-kick. And then it's, we need to make this, since we're all about facts, that punt was not blocked. It was deflected, so it doesn't go down on Rigo's uh, stat sheet as a block because it went past the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. But it was blocked. That's the fourth or fifth kick they've had blocked this year, field goals and punts. I think Vinatieri had three or four, and Sanchez with this one. Three games in a row that special teams has had a, Major mistake with Vinny's uh, kick six against Tennessee, and then McLaughlin missed a forty-seven yarder was, yeah. that would have, you know, put the game into overtime the way it turned out. So, and then the offense was just was just abysmal. They never got anything going, and like it or not, it falls on the quarterback. It just does. Uh, the running game never got going well because they 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 never really committed to it because the game got away from them. Uh, I thought the receivers, there were times the receivers were open. They just were. Oh, yeah. I saw people on Twitter say, well, no separation. That, that's wrong. garbage. No, that's wrong. But, you know, the first third and whatever, eight or nine, and, and he mails that one over Pascal's head. He throws one over T.Y.'s head. When you're 5 of 15 in the first half, 69 yards against a team that you simply have to keep up with, uh, that, that m- might have been. Brissett's worst game, and he's had a lot of them in the second half of the season. The, the crazy thing about that first play on that first drive, the overthrow to Pascal, 
is you you could see it on the TV clearly. It was kind of funny. You see him the overthrow and the Pascal's reaction. like there he is. Yeah, exactly. Darius Leonard's there with both hands on his head. Brian Hoyer like looks away with both hands on his head, and Nick Sirianni's right there with both hands on his head. They're all doing the surrender cobra pose. Like, oh my goodness, what just happened on this play? Because they they got exactly what they wanted. Yep. He wasn't just open. He was wide open. Mm-hmm. And you know maybe if he catches that in stride, he can turn up and, and get another 10, 15 yards. But when your quarterback is missing those kind of plays, you can't get into rhythm. You you can't move the change. You're going to have, you know, things snowball on you. And again, it was the second possession was the T.Y. play over his head. And then he darn near throws the interception on third down. So it's it's – I'm of the belief that somehow or another the, the knee injury is still bothering him. He has been considerably worse since the knee injury. It's it's about 8 or 9 per- percentage points, completion percentage since then. And he's just not making plays that you have to make. And, and the result's been a, a groundswell with the fan base and media to, you know, is he your guy? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I would love to know in a quiet moment what Chris Ballard thinks. Is <laughs> is Jacoby our guy? Now, I think he's their guy starting next year. But what do they do in the offseason? Do they bring in a, a mid-level draft pick and, and let him develop? I don't know. We'll see, but... Brissett's giving giving them no reason to say he is unquestionably that despite what Booger McFarland says that he's our quarterback of the future. No, the simple fact is the Indianapolis Colts. Sorry, <laughs> I, I love Booger. I, I just love listening to him. I, I don't know if I love everything he says, but I just love listening to him. It, 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 it's fun. Too, too much, too much Booger because there's too much Joe Testatore. That's that's the problem. But that's not what we're here for. The problem is again that Brissett over the second half of the since the knee injury in Pittsburgh. Hasn't been the same. They can talk all they want about him being 100%. And they, this is what teams do. Let's go back to when Vinny starts off the season poorly with the kicks. He's fine, the knee's fine, injuries are not an issue. Well, then then as the season goes on, and then when Vinny goes on, I are, well, yeah, the knee really bothered me, and we never really got it under control. I'm wondering if that's what we're going to get at the end of the season, that, well, yeah, the, the knee did bother Jacoby, and that's why things tailed off. And if that's the case, his injury plus the injuries at receiver, how does that muddy the evaluation of him moving forward? I think that it'll completely depend on if, if that's the case. Jacoby Brissett's future in Indianapolis completely depends on what the Colts think about this quarterback class it's coming to, out of college. It's supposed to be deep. It's supposed to be pretty this good. This is Joe's bailiwick, but it's supposed to be a very deep quarterback draft. We'll see how do I I don't think that I just we we've talked in the in the press room because we're bored with other things about would would Ballard be so bold where are they drafting now fifteenth fourteenth right in the middle right so, now so, yeah. so let's say they they lose two more which you know they could because they've lost six or seven I, I lose track six yep. or seven so then maybe they're tenth I don't know and then all of a sudden it's not. Out of, out of the realm of possibility to move up four or five more spots without mortgaging your entire draft and getting a quarterback. I keep going back, and until he proves me wrong, I go back to what Ballard said the first day he's here. I asked him about his, how enticing was it to come here with Andrew Luck. He said, I'm telling you, it will never be about one guy. It's about 53. It's about 63 at the practice team, practice squad. And we'll see. If he... If he takes a quarterback second round or third round, okay. 
But if he sees a guy that he absolutely loves and believes is the guy, does he move up top, whatever it would take, top five, top six to get the guy? That would be so anti-Chris Ballard to do that. But as we've talked, if you don't have the quarter, the right quarterback in place, you have no chance. And I don't think there's any reason for him to to be desperate and to mortgage away the future because you still point at the rest of the roster and see things like um, guys that last year, obviously, Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard has been has been done and done and done again. Uh, this year's rookie class, Rocky Seen and Kari Willis, I think, have both had pretty darn good years for rookies, um, save obviously a couple of rookie games that they've had that you've seen a lot of mistakes from them. Uh, ben Banigou, we talked about a week or two ago, it had one of the best uh, six or seven game stretches in terms of pass rush production. And then he didn't play on defense this past game. Which was very was strange. crazy. Yeah, I don't he, know he and Clayton Gathers. I mean, Clayton Gathers was like 15 special teams plays and none on defense. I realize he's not a cover guy. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I I do think that the roster's in decent shape. They right. they need skill players. They, they just do. Whenever you have Ty, they're they're now one and nine. Of course, he played this past game. But w- even with Ty, you need playmakers. Paris Campbell. I don't know. Do we know what they have with Paris Campbell? You think you do, but injuries were, were a factor. So, uh, I, but it comes back to he he wants this to be a roster of fifty three to where an injury. Andrew Luck walking away doesn't doom your season, and where you think maybe that would have again. Let's go back to they were five and two mm-hmm. with that without you know with Andrew Luck dropping the bomb on him in, in late August. So, but it, that's why I, I just don't see him going up to get a quarterback. I, I just don't see it because you're probably going to have to go top six. I don't know. Top five? Was there three? Qu- are there three first round quarterbacks? It's Burrow, obviously, who's, Burrow who's one number of them. one. Cincinnati's pretty much in pen. I would imagine the Tua is still a first round pick in spite of his injury because and, people are going to take the long view because they're going to be scared not to take him. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, Oregon's Her- Justin Herbert is up there too. Yeah. He'll go in the first round as well. He's one of those guys. He kind of similar to Josh Allen coming out, where he had all the tools in the world, but he hadn't quite put it all together. That's where Herbert is. So those are I'm the te- three I'm telling you, If there's three or four or five, they're going to go higher than they should. They always the, do. the people. The three, four, or five are going to go higher because you're going to have that that panic of if we don't go up to get him, he won't be here when, where we're at. It's it's history says that if there's a couple that are no no doubt they're going to go where they should go, and then people go higher just because again you're afraid you're going to miss him. Uh, but I just don't see Ballard doing that uh, now. Second or third round now the, the dynamics is that let's say they go and get a quarterback in the second or third round to be to groom him to be the guy. How will that dynamic work next year with, with Brissett? Let's say Brissett does his normal things in, in the preseason, which is playing not a lot. Then the rookie goes in there and plays, lights it up, because rookies have been known to do that sometimes in preseason. And then your court, your veteran quarterback, Brissett, struggles early. So I, I it, it, it would really make things dicey, possibly during the season. But if he thinks that the guy is there, either bottom of the, or the middle of the first round, I don't know, maybe he does. But to, to, for them to sit there and say that we're fine with Brissett, I'm not sure how they can do that with what they've seen. I would be stunned if they stay completely stand pat right now, uh, this year to next year at quarterback. Um, first of all, let's say that 
Uh, Chad Kelly is not seeing any playing time these past couple weeks. That is not in the cards. Uh, Barring two injuries. Right. Sorry, Joe. So so much for swag. Be more exciting. We get, we get <laughs> we give Frank Wright every opportunity to say, well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Nope. Every time. And he says, nope, Jacoby's our quarterback. On Monday he said, no, Jacoby's our quarterback and we're still trying to win. Okay. So, yep. yeah, I, I understand it would be fun to, to see him out there, I guess. But my question, though, is if, if, like it was asked today, well, maybe move him up to backup. Let him be your backup just in case. And he said, no, we're going to stay where we're at. So then it, it, it is fair to ask, then, then why is he here? Why, why is he still on the active roster? Why is he one of your 53? If he's one of your 53 because you're, you're afraid of losing him, well, why? Because it doesn't seem that he figures into your, your future. Mm-hmm. I and no one snatched him up the first 10, 12 weeks right. of the season, whatever it was, that he was there. So right. Now, he was making pretty good money. He was making $500,000 on the practice squad, which is extremely unusual. Yes, uh, but having said that, people had a chance to get him, and no one did. So I, I don't know. And you know, Brian Hoyer here next year, I, I I I would be surprised. I don't think there's much dead money involved with with him. So uh, I think the quarterback situation we've talked, and we'll talk a lot more. It is the overriding, unquestioned number one off season decision. And once you decide that, then you can worry about okay, receiver, pass rusher. Secondary help, tight end. You need you need a tight end, but they've got to first figure out their quarterback situation. And it's not it, it's not as easy as saying Jacoby Brissett has stuck over the last half of the season because there are circumstances that that have in, it, impacted that. So I, I'd love to know internally what they how they look at this situation. The running game certainly has not been helping Jacoby the past couple weeks, specifically uh, something that was brought up to Frank Reich this week. Um, Frank says about the run game, uh, first of all, the stats with the run game, they were terrible. 46 yards. That's the lowest rushing total of the season uh, in New Orleans. How many rushes? 17, was it? Uh, 17, also the lowest of the season. Yeah. Um, 11 carries for Marlon Mack, 19 yards. Uh, They only had 22 carries the week before in Tampa Bay. That might have been a little bit more by design since Tampa Bay had a disastrous secondary, but... uh, And and the number two or number three ranked run defense, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, exactly. So, but still, back-to-back weeks with less than 25 rushing attempts. And Frank said about the run game this week, he says, we have not run the ball like we want to or we should. A few factors. Number one, need to play better up front. That's number one. And obviously that is true if you watch the game. The offensive line, I think, is not not playing well uh, in, in the run game, at least, the past couple weeks. I think they've protected Jacoby pretty decently, but running the ball has been a big struggle. You see Marlin or Jordan Wilkins, or Naheem Hines, they get hit in the backfield. They get hit at the line of scrimmage. The holes are not big, or they close quickly. That is, I think, where it starts right now, is the offensive line is is not playing like one of the best rush, rushing teams in the league right now. Now, one of the plays that stood, stood out at me against uh, the Saints, there was a minus five-yard run by Mack, and the safety came, came in clean, and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Pascal missed his block. But but even with that, there there have not been those those creases or where it gets Mac to the second second line to the linebackers, and right now he's got nine eighteen. He he's going to get a thousand. He he could he, he should get it this week. He better yeah. Carolina's defense disastrous run defense, run defense. is defense. awful. With thirtieth, hundred and forty yards a game, 
5.2 a carry. That's last. Yeah. It's 32 because there's only 32 teams. And I was looking at some of these games they've given up. Washington, 248. It was just two weeks ago, too. Frisco, 232. Frisco's pretty good. Two, maybe three weeks ago. But they've had a couple games where they played well, but by and large, it's been a disaster. And if you can't run against these guys, then, then there's something wrong. So they, they need to get it fixed. This is a game where they need, I think Frank said that ideally, is it 30 rushes a game is what he really likes to have? Because mm-hmm. he, he said these last couple of games, they've only had 56 or 58 total plays, which makes it hard to get into a rhythm. But it, it's not good enough. They're down to ninth in rushing the Colts are. Mm-hmm. And they've been as high as third or fourth. They were fourth just a couple of weeks ago. Right. Well, when you go what they've been the last two weeks, it, it knocks the heck out of you. So. And this gives gives them a chance to fix so much. Get out and run the ball, establish a run, and and then Jacoby's not throwing it thirty five times and going. What was he eighteen of thirty four? I believe so. Yeah. And, now, yeah. now if he's if they run for one eighty and then he still has trouble with with his accuracy and throwing the ball, then 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 we have serious issues. But this is the game that, that offensively gives you every opportunity to sort of fix what's been ailing you. It was quite the uh, looking at the other side of the ball, the other the other offense. It was very much a, a Jekyll and Hyde game, uh, in spite uh, it, just looking at what the Colts were able to do and what the Saints were able to do because Drew, the Saints Drew, could not could not fail. Drew Brees magnified Brissett's inefficiency. Yes, twenty nine of thirty. I'm telling you, if you're watching a practice and they're going eleven on eleven, it's tough to go twenty nine for thirty. It just is. And the, the one incompletion was sort of a – he was sort of pressured where he dumped it off on the on the right – in the right flats to uh, the running back. But they just had guys running open. Uh, Michael Thomas, pretty good player. Mm-hmm. Number th- number 13, right? Yes. <laughs> Le- I, I leads the league in receptions. Burned into your and, head. And, and in yards. And he's 12 for 12. And, and the, the one ball I think that was thrown to him that wasn't caught – you seen was was called for holding, so I just I, I would like to know the breakdown. Maybe we're going to talk to Matt Eberflus tomorrow. The the breakdown of how much zone they played and how much man they played. It appeared they were in a lot of zone, and you the idea of going to zone against Drew Brees. He just it's it's the old you know death by a thousand paper cuts because mm-hmm. he just cuts you apart. Now his his are more. <laughs> They're more deep than, than that. But you just, to go 29 for 30, an all-time NFL record, what the record was, 28 of 29. It was 28 of 29, yeah, so he beat it by one completion Phillip Rivers. last year. Right. So so it's just, so the last two weeks, they, they've given up 750-some yards passing, eight touchdowns, almost 1,000 yards total, uh, and not, not the, the best foot forward by this defense. Colts pass defense, not the best foot forward the past two weeks now. This is back-to-back games with Drew Brees, who uh, is obviously a pro bowler type year after year. But Jameis Winston, he's a a top half of the league quarterback, but he's not not Drew Brees. Right. And it was sort of different ways they did. I mean, Winston was more down the field and, and, and Brees was more intermediate. And I'm telling you, if this doesn't bear out, the value of Kenny Moore, mm-hmm. nothing does. I mean, I, oh, yeah. now he might it may 
it may not have made that much of a difference mm-hmm. against the Saints. Maybe Breeze would have had two or three incompletions. I don't know. But they, they really need Kenny Moore. Pierre Desir is not 100%. He's had this hamstring most of the year. It's been, I'm sure he's frustrated. But when you can't, it, it's tough to pressure Breeze because of the way they, they play that quick drop, rhythmic stuff. But in a game like this, it, it's funny. I went back and looked. I haven't got the numbers in front of me. But in the last two games in New Orleans, the 62-7 to and this one, in the Super Bowl, he's completing like 90% of his passes. And it's, it's something like 14 touchdowns, no interceptions. And it's just he, – he just makes you look helpless. And that's how they were. Joe said uh, earlier that uh, Justin Houston might be the, the biggest snub on the, uh, the Pro Bowl for the Colts this year. Kenny Moore is not even an alternate. That's ridiculous. It is completely ridiculous. I realize he's a nickel and all that, but come on. Yeah. What he does doesn't always show up in the stat sheet. Common fan looking through is going to see it's like two interceptions and be like, eh, and keep on scrolling through. <laughs> eh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless eh. you no, watch right. the games, you're not going to know too much about Kenny Moore. Mm-hmm. But Colts fans know how valuable he is to the team. Well, and so does Eberflus because he, he lets you do so much in coverage, in run support, and as a blitzer. So, again, it, it's those of us who, who watch this team and watch certain players, you, you know their value. And I'm not so sure. Darius Leonard is what he is. He, he, he's a, a an elite player. Kenny Moore is so viable to this defense for all the things that he allows you to do. Here, here's a reminder that uh, that Chris Ballard, as much as Colts fans think he's the golden boy and the, the golden child, he did not want Kenny Moore. He had to be talked into it. He did. He had to be talked into signing They, they wore his ass down. He said, they they said okay, take it. Fine. Sign him. It was like, okay, now do it, and we'll find out that he can't do it, and I'll, and I'll have and the I'll last right. word. And I'll be right. No, but he, he, and he's, he's very quick to say I didn't want him mm-hmm. because of the measurables. Mm-hmm. He was too short for the position, but but he's been again. He was rewarded with it with an ex- four year extension in the off season when they didn't need to. It's highest paid slot corner in the NFL, and Anthony Costanzo still doesn't have his extension. Mike keeps talking about that. Shake my head. You no, know, you'll, you'll you'll hear that forever. Um, you'll hear from Joe that Adam Vinatieri is overrated forever. You'll hear from me that Syracuse is the greatest university in the world forever. Like, those are just consistence you get on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Speaking of the greatest, haven't even mentioned Breeze passing Peyton Manning for the all-time record. We have not. Needed a few more games to do it, uh-huh. but, but still. still got it. Most touchdowns in NFL history, most passing yards in NFL history, highest completion percentage in NFL history. That's pretty darn good. Makes you wonder why does his name not come up more when talking about the greatest of all time at quarterback? I it's- think I, because he's never been viewed, at least maybe one year or two years, as the best in the league. But he's never been like all pro. As I see this guy, he's the best in the league. Peyton Manning had five MVPs. Somebody put a time. list of, of the MVP of the votes you've gotten in MVP voting, and, right. and Breeze it was like twenty five total votes in all the, in all these. Mm-hmm. And you've got Peyton, a five-time MVP, and people can say what they want about Peyton, and not enough Super Bowls and all that. He, he won two, went to four. Peyton went to four yes. Super Bowls, and and it, it. But you're right. It, it's 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 Tom Brady. It's Peyton Manning. It's Aaron Rodgers, and then oh by the way, Drew Brees. And, and when it's all said and done, he's probably going to have every pat. What what record doesn't he have? And he's got completion percentage for your career. I think he's, he's got, got some, like, total completions. I don't know who has that. I think he's probably got completions, but not attempts because when you're completing 72. I mean, right. it used to be like 65, 66% were 
was the standard for completions. Mm-hmm. He's been oh, above 70 the last four years. It's yes. ridiculous. Yeah, he's, he's been fantastic. Joe's looking up that stat for us to see who holds the NFL record for most completions or most attempts right now. I think he's got completions but not attempts, but, but I might be wrong. Yep, he's got completions. Uh, number two <laughs> behind him is Tom Brady because he's played forever, and right. then Brett Favre, Peyton Manning. Who's got the most attempts? Since, attempts since is coming next. Attempts. I'm guessing Brett Favre. It might be. That's not a bad guess. Let's see. Attempts we got. Brett Favre, then Breeze second, and then Tom Brady. How far back is uh, is Drew Breeze there? Quite, a, quite a few. Quite I looked this up last last week. Uh, let, let's see. Favre at 10,169. Breeze at 10,093. Uh, about, about One 80. more season. Yeah. Easily. Because yeah. one thing is that people always forget about is most interceptions in a career. Look that up. It's, <laughs> it's Brett Favre with a bullet. It's it's he's got like a, bullet. He's got like a pad of like sixty uh, career interceptions. It's incredible. Well, if Jameis Winston keeps playing, yeah, he might catch up. Yeah. Uh, Brett Favre, three hundred thirty six interceptions. Number two is George Blanda with two hundred seventy seven. <laughs> so he won't be he won't be increasing or narrowing the gap on that. No, not anytime but soon. But no, it, it is funny how how Breeze is sort of and oh by the way, Drew Breeze. He, he he's a no doubt first ballot Hall of Famer, but that doesn't automatically mean he's top three or four or top top three, because I, I would probably put him above Aaron Rodgers for accomplishments just because he's been around longer and still doing it. But for him to leapfrog Manning and and Brady is just asking too much. Now our attention turns to the future. The Colts do host the Carolina Panthers on Sunday, five and nine. Carolina, they have not played well recently, just like the Colts. It is the unstoppable force meeting an immovable object. The Colts have lost four in a row. The Panthers have lost six in a row. So who who is least bad uh, playing right now? Uh, that That's the question that will be answered at Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday. I know fans want them to finish 6-10 and 10, and get the better draft position, like you said earlier, Mike. Maybe they could sneak their way into the top 10. But obviously, what Frank Reich said, the team's still playing to win right now. They hope to avoid a losing season. They can still finish 8-8. Eight and eight. And, of course, all coaches and all players are being evaluated right now. And I'll no emphasize co- coaches right now because that's something that certainly has to be brought into question this offseason is are these coaches and this staff, which last year everyone's singing the praises of the coaches and the staff from turning around from 1-5 and five to seeing if they – to making the playoffs the and winning the playoff Sirianni game. The fact that Sirianni and Iberflush should be in the, in, in the discussion for, for, for openings. head coach's job, exactly. Now and, it's like, eh. Yeah, and, and special teams coach. Yeah, Bubba Ventrone is – I just think it's it, – they're all, they're all sort of – they're not gonna. They're not gonna fire Sirianni or Eberflus. It's not gonna happen. No. But so sorry if you want that for these last two week defensive weeks, fans. It, it's just not gonna happen. But it, that and that's that's what's good and what's bad about the NFL is it's so week to week, and how an entire community, their week is shaped on how your team does. You know, if and, and once a team loses like they did, it's. I went back and looked. In all, so many of the top teams have, have had these games. The Packers got ripped by, I, I think, it was the Chargers. The, the Saints got beat twenty six to nine by Atlanta at home. Uh, Frisco gets beat in, in uh, Atlanta by Atlanta again. Now all of a sudden Atlanta's right. playing well, Mike. Right. Like we were saying but, earlier but t- in the Tampa season. Tampa Bay dropped fifty five on the Rams early in the year. So so a lot of the teams have had these games, but when it's in your city and it's your team you follow. You want to fire? You want to get rid of all the players? Get rid of all the coaches? That's why you need to have a little bit of a uh, sit back and, and get emotion out of it. Having said that, when you get beat like that, it it just sort of magnifies 
all of the issues that you've had. Special teams, the offense not doing much, the defense being totally helpless in that game. And, and at some point, like we mentioned, at some point, the team's will was taken away. But you're never, ever going to hear a coach get up there with two games to play say, yeah, we're, we're, we're planning on playing all these young kids and 6-10 and ten because uh, uh, the 10th pick is better than the 15th pick. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. No. So one thing that Reich did mention, he was asked about playing younger players these last couple of games. It was the idea of playing Chad Kelly, which we've wasted too much time on that anyway. But what young players do you want them to play? Because yeah. they're, they're kind played. of already playing. EJ Speed, maybe. Uh, some more of Ben Banigou, maybe. Uh, offense, who who on offense? I mean, you're not I, moving that offensive line. Nobody's no. sneaking in for them. You know, Joe Hegg's not going to play more because he's a semi young player. So receivers, maybe, you're already on. You're already playing all, all the you know, and and we can talk. And we we really kind of glossed over with Ty Hilton. He he is going to see more and more snaps. They say as the, as these last two games, we talked to him today and. He simply wants to play. He wants to finish the season. It's important to him. You know, we've talked last week or the week before about he could have gone on IR as Eric Ebron did. And again, not knowing the extent of Ebron's injuries to his ankle or he was ankles. Able to golf. <laughs> Throw there, that out there. Go ahead. Yeah, so I, I, w- there's no defense, but it's important to Ty to finish. My only question is that they made it very clear that he was going to play against the Saints if he's a hundred percent. And the way they used him, it didn't appear he was 100%. He was only in on 52% of the snaps. It makes the question, what does 100% mean to Frank Wright? Is it the calf is 100%, but his conditioning isn't there? Like, what exactly is well, 100%? Well, two or three of the first third down plays, he's not on the field. Yeah. If you're going to have him on sort of a pitch count, but not a pitch count, then third down is one of those pitches I want him I want him swinging at. So, but But we'll see how this is moving forward, but... It, 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 I'd love to see T.Y. be T.Y. these last two games. And we, we've not seen that. that he's been what he, he had four catches for 25 yards in the week before. He had he nine had, targets, too. Right. So they threw it at him right. quite a bit. Well, late. Ish. Late. Near yes. him. Through near him. Yeah, right. that's, that'll just be specific, through near him. And there were a couple of times that ball sails over his head, and, and he's sort of sort of shaking the head like, yep. what in, What are we doing? Yeah. But uh, I'd love to see him actually, because the week before he was three catches for 18 yards. So th- th- it's a lost season for him as, as far as stats, but it'll be great to see him get out there and have one of those seven catches for 120 yards or, or 80. Let's lower the bar because I, I just think it's important to him to go out strong and, and hopefully not aggravate the calf injury. The last thing you want to do is go into the offseason with serious rehab ahead of you. But as far as his, his sheer numbers, it, it, there's not much more you can do to help him, but I think it would help him immensely to go out with two strong games, whatever the numbers you want to put on there. But, I, I, again, he, he, he's just been such a benchmark of how a veteran player should approach at the end of a season with, with playing through these injuries. I'll, I'll say this, too, before we can move on from T.Y. afterward, but uh, he wants to finish the season strong 
for I think he's a team guy for sure, but also for a selfish reason, he only has one more year left on his contract. Correct. So he might be looking in this offseason to get an extension. So he wants to continue to show that he is pushing himself and pushing for the team and he's not giving up and he signed up to play 16 games like he has said. So that's what he wants to put on tape out there that that he's that guy. And if you want to go into a contract negotiation, you want as many chips as you can on your side and, of the and, table. And the worst possible thing is to go 3 for 18, 4 for 25. Two for eighteen, right. and then maybe have another injury or whatever, and then then what have you got? Because I would just think that if he can finish strong, there's no question that Chris Ballard appreciates what Ty has done and brought to this team this year, last year. Remember playing the last six games and not practice and practice once, whatever it was, with the ankle injuries. But it would it would if you're going to give him an off season extension, you'd really like to know that he finished strong in, in moving forward. There's no reason to think injuries are going to be an issue. I would put him up there. I put, you know, I'll beat the Costanzo drum as far as extensions. I would look to Marlon Mack for an extension. Uh, Joe's shaking his head. I think you could get Marlon Mack at a pretty good, at a pretty reasonable rate if you're not concerned that injuries are an issue. And they have been. Last thing I want to say on T.Y., if he doesn't do it within the next two weeks, this will be the first season of his career that he did not top 100 yards in any game during the season. Wow. That, I did not know that. Yep. It, it's been such a quiet – even when he was playing early, it was it was those, he was averaging like nine yards a catch. Yeah. For the season, he averages 10.3, which is low for T.Y., usually a big play player. Yeah, he's got five touchdowns, which is sort of what it's it's been with him. I don't know what his high is, seven or eight. He's never had 10. Seven is his high. Right. That is a stunning stat to me that he has not hit 100 yards. Has he come close to it? I don't think he's come close to it. He had one. He had 87. That was his closest. Gee whiz. My goodness. Other Colts injuries this week. Anthony Walker pulled a hamstring against New Orleans. Uh, Kenny Moore did not practice on Wednesday. I would bet that Kenny Moore does not play still. He's had that boot quite a bit the last couple weeks. I didn't see him on Wednesday in the locker room or out on the field, but if he still has that boot on, I'd say there's about a 0% chance, not even a 2.7% chance that Kenny Moore would play this. Did somebody have a concussion? I thought I Danico Autry. That's right. Danico Autry is it. Symptoms after the game, so he's in protocol with a short week. You know, you're you're missing a day. it's, It's just on a short week, it's hard. So I would, I would you think need to be perfect. You right. need to go I, I think it's, it I think it's, it's likely that he doesn't play, which is another shot of, uh, for the defense that you're not going to have. And we haven't talked a lot about Carolina for a lot, for a lot of reasons. Hmm. Uh, they're going to start a rookie of th- make his first appearance. Is that right? That's correct. His, his first, first NFL start, start, third round pick, rookie Will Greer. Quarterback out of, uh, Virgi- West Virginia. Sorry, Dave. Qu- that's okay. Quarterback Kyle Allen has uh, started off the season really pretty well after filling in for an injured Cam Newton. A lot of people were uh, ready to crown Kyle Allen the next it's starter. amazing how that works. It is. It really is. And then say, hey, kick Cam to the curb. But uh, but now that uh, Allen has come back down to earth and the Panthers have lost six games in a row, uh, it's about time to move on from him in terms of uh, the Panthers' eyes. Th- this is this is what Colts fans want to see. It is. With you know your season shot, mm-hmm. let's see what you've got. And if, if Chad Kelly w- would be a if he was a third-round pick Correct. like Will Greer. Th- th- then you've got an argument. Th- with, with word as you don't, but they need to see what they've got with this guy because what did you do with Cam Newton? He just Didn't he just have foot surgery over the yeah. last, in the last month? He had surgery. I actually saw in Carolina there's a GoFundMe campaign to keep Cam in Carolina. Okay. Some of the fans want to keep him. 
GoFundMe. Yeah. I don't think money was the issue here. No, I don't think it is. So, either. and this is a guy that had sh- shoulder surgery in the off season before the season. So, mm-hmm. they, they they've got serious issues. You know, the Colts think they got. You know, Colts Nation think they have issues at quarterback. Carolina really does. This is going to be one of the most interesting off seasons in quarterback decisions across the NFL. You know, Tennessee with Tannehill. Don't you want Chargers and Rivers? Correct. With Tannehill, don't you want to franchise him? Show me again. Think I think do it so. again. Even yeah. though it's like twenty five, twenty six million dollars, still do it. I'd rather do that than give you four years and. God, what's the benchmark now? Where's Tom Brady going Fult, next season? That, that's last the, year is probably the benchmark yeah, right? for yep. a Tannehill contract. Yep. So do it again, but you're going to have, you know, I think Breeze is up. Brady's up. I say the Brady thing happened, Jess. I, I just find it harder to believe he's going anywhere else, but the word word has been from several sources that he would kind of like to. I, I, don't, I don't know. Go elsewhere? But yeah. that's. I heard from someone in the Colts locker room who has New England ties that he said, don't be surprised if Tom Brady is done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, and again, when you when you watch him play, we've said this before, but he, he looks like a 42-year-old, 43-year-old quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've said that before about him. I, I want to be around. I still want to be doing this job when there's no Brady and there's no Belichick in New England. I want to see how life is. I, I remember what, how it was before. Brady got there. Mm-hmm. They weren't very good. No. So it, it's, you know, and it's always great. Bill Polian did that here. He, he he pushed that. Peyton Manning and all those guys, he pushed that as far as he could. And you knew when it ended, it was going to be ugly. And it was. So, but uh, there's so many, Teddy Bridgewater, there's so many quarterbacks uh, that they're going to be out there. And the teams that need, Eli Manning is going to be out there. Is he going to still play? Marcus Mariota, you want him here? Derek Carr in Oakland. I mean, there's a bunch of them you, you throw out there. Jameis Winston. He's another guy. You want to invest five years and, I don't know, $150 million or whatever in Jameis Winston? So uh, it'll be very interesting. And that's why I say the Colts could have some options in the offseason. I can't see them going out and investing in a Tannehill-type player. I would think if there's going to be a change in the quarterback room, it's going to be through the draft. And then the question is how high. Would they go to bring a guy in to, to, to challenge and compete for, for the number one spot? Bringing our discussion back to the Colts opponent this weekend, the Panthers. One thing they do must not... We, must we? Uh, <laughs> well, we, we, we can, we can we hit them quickly. Yeah, exactly. And we only have about 10 more minutes max on this uh, this podcast here. Follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. You can follow Mike at mchapel 51 Follow me at DaveG underscore sports. Joe is at Roto Street Joe. Just throwing that in there. Download and subscribe. Get this delivered to your podcast uh, listening device weekly. Joe? Rate and like. Rate us on iTunes. Leave us a comment. That really helps us out. Christian McCaffrey is one thing the Carolina Panthers do have going for them. He leads the NFL in total scrimmage yards. Not only that, he is very near the pace to breaking the NFL record. He's just off the pace for scrimmage yards in the season. Chris Johnson, CJ2K, owns that record. He got in uh, 2009 with 2,509 yards from scrimmage in one year. Marshall Falk, back in 1999, that tremendous season, was 2,429 yards. Uh, McCaffrey is on pace to just pass Marshall Falk, but to be about 60, 70 yards shy of the NFL record that was set by Chris Johnson. And it's not like the Panthers have this incredible offensive line that he's running behind. The O-line has allowed the most sacks and the second most sacks in the NFL this season with 51. 
He's just been a tremendous back, whether it's running the ball, 1,300 rushing yards, catching the ball, 814 receiving yards, 94 catches. He is their do-it-all guy that you have to have one guy, two guy, heck, three guys on him and make somebody else beat you. He's got the chance to go 1,000, 1,000. There can't be many players. I know Falk did it one year. Thousand yards, Ladainian Tomlinson. Tomlinson, it's a very, very short list. And what's he got receiving? Eight hundred and some. Eight hundred fourteen. So that's going to go. And one thing, since we're here and and breaking news, the Colts place Roland Milligan on IR. I think he had a foot in the Saints game. Mm -hmm. And they signed cornerback Brian Bodie Calhoun. Bodie. All right. So that's just. You know, Breaking news in there on the Colts Blue Zone podcast because that's what that's what we're all about. It is totally that, that's what the uh, the podcast medium is uh, about. Breaking news. It's very very immediate. Yeah, not sit down listen to it. At your so you remember, you remember the guy's name? Bodie Calhoun or Roland Milligan? What Bri- Brian Bodie. Brian Calhoun. Bodie. Excuse me. Hyphenated. Okay, Brian Bodie. I, I thought that was a nickname or something in the middle. So Brian <laughs> Bodie. There we go. But we talked to Darius Leonard today about. Uh, the Carolina in their offense, he said, "Yeah, twenty-two. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be one of those where sometimes when they, when they when they'll show uh, highlights on on some sports shows and they always have a highlight of, of, of a, a dot on a player, it's going to be on twenty-two because it, it, they're going to get him involved and it, they don't try to hide it. And it's amazing when you've got they've got is it DJ Moore." Yeah. He's got a thousand quality receiver. Third in the league in receiving. Right, eighty-six, I think it is, which means he's about forty behind Michael Thomas. <laughs> yeah, but they, they, you, it's you know, they're not, they're not disguising what they're going to do. We're going to get the ball to Christian McCaffrey. We just are, and there've been a few games where he's sort of been bottled up. But when you, when you know who who they're going to go to, and they still go to him, and he still gets a, he's averaging one hundred and fifty yards a game. Total or total yards from scrimmage, it's incredible. Another record McCaffrey could break is the running back single season reception record. He set it last year with 107. Jesus. He currently has 94, so it's entirely possible that he breaks his own record. And the other then... side side of the ball, sorry, the Panthers' defense <laughs> is uh, absolutely terrible against the run. They allow the highest yards per carry in the NFL, more than five yards per carry. They've allowed the most rushing touchdowns with 26, and really 20, that's number one. 26. The yeah, through uh, through 14 games, have allowed 26 touchdowns. Uh, they're allowing 142, 140 rushing yards per game, the third most in the league. They allow the fourth most points in the league. A lot of things that you look at, you're like, yeah, that's not so good. But sacks wise, they have the most sacks in the NFL. They have 49 sacks. Their defensive line is pretty good. Mario Addison. Uh, leads the way with nine and a half, but they also have Bruce Irvin, Vernon Butler, Brian Burns, and Gerald McCoy, who have five sacks or more. We talked about Gerald McCoy in the offseason, about where would he go. The Colts like somebody with a defensive interior pass rush presence. The Carolina Panthers did. He's at least added to the pass rush side of what All the more doing. reason to try to reestablish your run game. Yep. Yes, it is. Get the ball to Marlon Mack. Let him run the ball. Top 1,000 yards this week. That would be... Uh, if I was Nick Sirianni and Frank Reich, at least, that would be number one on my uh, board in the uh, locker room. As say, much as you want to see Brissett sort of regain what he was. And, and again, again, you look at the numbers, the post-injuries, all parts of his game, he, he, he never pushed the ball down the field. Before and after the injuries, it was like 6.9 yards per attempt and 10.6 or whatever it was per completion. That's still the same. The biggest difference is the efficiency and the accuracy. And, and this would be a great game to do it, but 
to get there. Sometimes when you think it's so easy, it's so obvious with the running game, but gosh darn, run the, run the damn ball, as, as Quentin Nelson would tell us, and make life easier for everybody. So it's time now for the predictions for this weekend, Colts and Panthers. Inside Lucas Oil Stadium, 1 p.m. Sunday, broadcast in central Indiana on CBS4. I will go first. I think, in as I said, the uh, the meeting between an unstoppable force and an immovable object, the six losses in a row, the four losses in a row, somebody has got to win unless they tie, of course. I'm going to go with the Colts this one, and I'm going to say... <laughs> you guys are shaking your head. I'm going to say 24 to 13. I, I, I just I don't think this is going to be a very pretty game to watch. Um, but that that's that's my take. Twenty four thirteen Colts. I think it's gonna not gonna be very exciting. It's gonna be pretty low scoring, and uh, that's it. I'm gonna go thirty one. Mike likes points. Twenty three. Whether I, I think the rookie's gonna turn the ball over and give you some short fields, and I think I'm with you. It, it, this won't be a an exciting game because you know if if things go the way we think they should, you're gonna run the ball thirty five times. And they're going to give these little swings to, to McCaffrey and work him a lot, which won't be, although he's capable of breaking place. Thirty, I'm going to say 31-23, and let's get this losing streak stopped. I am predicting a tie. No, just kidding. Yeah. I got 27-17 Colts in this one for all the reasons you guys just said. AFC South this week. Division title certainly still up for grabs, but the Texans took control last week after beating the Titans in Nashville. Houston faces Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. The Titans host the Saints, and the Jaguars visit the all-of-a-sudden resurgent Falcons. The Jaguars broke a five-game losing streak with a what I thought was a surprising win over the Raiders last week in the last game ever in Oakland or at least that's what they claim, the last game ever in Oakland. We'll see about that. It seems like they've said that five years in a row now. Oh, this is the last year in Oakland. And then they all of a sudden are back at uh, at the Coliseum the next year. But nevertheless, the Jaguars did beat the Raiders, uh, snapped a five-game losing streak. They visit the Atlanta Falcons. So some eyes on Texans and Titans, see if the Titans can catch back up. Uh, but that's what else is going on around the AFC South this week. Not too much for Colts fans to care about, of course, though, Mike, since the uh, playoff chances are over. And, and that's the one thing that, that got the fan base so riled is, is the worst thing is to be irrelevant in December, and that's kind of what this team is. Uh, it's even at 2.7, you had a chance, and, and, and now you're just trying, you know, it's 8-8. Eight and eight. Again, when, when you get the fan base worried that you're going to go 8-8 eight and eight instead of 6-10, and 10, it's not a good thing. You can download and subscribe to the Colts Blue Zone podcast, get it delivered every week. We just have one this week. Uh, next week, we'll probably go back to two, if that's the plan. Or is next week Christmas well. week? Yeah, okay, Christmas yeah, yeah, that's week, why. We'll consolidate yep. down to one. Yep, that makes sense. Total sense. So we'll be back uh, next Thursday is the plan. I think Monday. I think Monday. We're oh. do a Monday show. Um, we'll, okay. we'll recap in a preview. And then nothing. Okay, okay, we'll yeah, nothing later the in the week. Okay, okay. so that's the plan. Want to make sure you guys are up to date about what we're doing. Of course, I'm obviously not up to date about what we're doing. That, I, I just I just show up when you tell me to. Talking out of my rear end right now to see what exactly we're doing. But thank you, Joe, for actually being on top of things and knowing what's going on. As I said, Colts and Panthers this weekend broadcast locally on CBS4 Indian Central Indiana, 1 p.m. Sunday as the Colts at uh, six and eight hope to stave off a losing season this has been the colts blue zone podcast thank you for listening and we'll see you next week